Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today we are continuing on with Miracles in Matthew, and we're taking a break today in this particular section of Scripture. As Jesus doesn't heal, he suddenly speaks to those who had been healed or those departing from him at that time that only came to be healed, and that's all they came for. Is Jesus Christ truly the Lord of your life? Then you need to be pressing on toward discipleship. It's the most important thing in the Christian life. Let's get to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word. This is Pastor Bob Yandian. So glad to have you here. I welcome you today. I welcome you that are just watching for the first time. Welcome to the program. We're glad you're here and we believe that you're going to like it. I am a teacher of the Word of God and not so much of a preacher, but uh, I love to just open up the Word of God, take it a word at a time, a verse at a time. And we've been talking about for the past week, and we still have about three or four more lessons on this. This is lesson number seven on miracles in Matthew, taking two chapters, Matthew chapter eight and Matthew chapter nine, of which Jesus healed individuals. Before that time, he healed masses. In chapter four, five, six, seven, he just uh, again taught the word of God and uh, and uh, healed multitudes at a time, performed signs and wonders and miracles, and the masses were healed. So he healed everybody of everything. But by the time we come to chapter eight, Jesus is taking up individuals at a time. We began with the first one where Jesus healed a man that had leprosy, which was incurable. So the very first one he took was to show he can heal incurable diseases. Man can't, doctors can't, but Jesus Christ and his power can. And then also proved with that man because the man said, Lord, I know that you can heal me, but will you? And Jesus showed that it's his will to heal anybody that comes to him. He just said, I will and heal the man. So again, we find that throughout the word of God, especially the New Testament, we find that healing is for everybody. And we've been talking about that now for a little over a week. And again, glad you are here today. And if you're not a partner with us, join those that are a partner with me. If you'd like to become a partner with me, and that just starts in the heart before it ever manifests itself in prayer and giving and all that. You just know in your heart that there's a connection. You like the way that I teach you. It opens it up for you and shows you things that other ministers don't. They show you other things that I don't, but this is one you go, I like this guy. I want to support him. And so if that's the way you feel in your heart, then go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place where you can become a partner with me. Matthew chapter 8. Today we're going to take a look at verses 18 through 27. And it's a break in this one section from the healing of the people, the healing of the individuals, and really points out something that while Jesus was healing these individuals and multitudes follow him, by now the multitudes begin to scatter. They weren't quite as many as started. And Jesus stops and teaches and asks the people basically, what's important to you? I ask you what's important to you today. Is Jesus Christ, the word of God, more important to you than life itself? That's what Jesus is pointing out. So we're going to have a lesson today in the midst of all this teaching on healing on the subject of discipleship. I do have this series on CDs. If you'd like to have a copy of this yourself, the announcer will come on at halftime and tell you how you can have a copy of this yourself and be blessed by it. Then I also have a book that goes along with this called The Grace of Healing, talking about the grace of God that supplied salvation is the same grace of God that supplies healing and the same 
same rules apply. It's not by your works. It's not by your good or bad. It's simply a gift of God's grace to you. And all you need to do is receive it. So again, you'll also find out how to get a copy of that. So again, turn with me to Matthew chapter eight. We're gonna take a look at verses 18 through 27. And here it says, when Jesus saw great multitudes around him, the Bible sometimes refers to multitudes. That could be, you know, a few thousand. But when it gets to great multitudes, it's always a reference to 10,000 or more, even up to 50,000 people were following Jesus at this time. When Jesus saw great multitudes around him, he gave commandment to depart to the other side. So he got into a boat and certain scribes came and said to him, Master, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Are you willing to follow me if you're not even sure you're gonna have a hotel room or a bed? Will you sleep with your head on a rock if you have to? following me. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, allow me to go first and bury my father. Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. He means the spiritually dead bury those that are physically dead. And when he said this, he was again referring to the fact that Jesus Christ needs to be the most important thing to you. And with the first one, if you don't have a place to lay your head, will you still go with me? In this case, if you have to not go bury your father, will you go with me? He just simply said that what's gonna happen after this will be a deed, will be something that is done, consider something that is just normal that we do, but is it absolutely necessary? necessary. Jesus Christ is the one absolute necessary thing in life for us to do. He goes on to say, when he had entered into a ship, his disciples followed him and behold, there got raised a great storm in the sea insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we perish. He said to them, why are you so fearful? O you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm, but the men marveled saying, what kind of man or what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? We are saved unto discipleship. In fact, the Great Commission includes both. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He, and, and you know whoever believes will be saved, whoever does not believe will be damned, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. But the second part of it is go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things that I have said. Jesus said, start with my sayings. Today, we can go past that from Jesus' sayings into the book of Acts and Luke's writing and then Paul's writings in Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, right on down to Peter's writings. We have so much today, a completed word of God. And what he's simply saying is, if you'll follow me after you get saved and then uh, lead those that have been born again into discipleship. And it's, this in essence gets into the establishments of the new churches throughout the book of Acts. And this comes back to it today. The main place for witnessing is in the streets around the world. We can get them saved in church, but the main thing Jesus said was go into all the world and preach the gospel, not go into all the churches and preach the gospel. It's fine to include a salvation message in your message, but the main thing that's included in your message ought to be discipleship, making converts into disciples. So again, discipleship, spiritual maturity is the goal of the Christian life. And disciples are the best imitators of Jesus. In fact, we're told in the word of God to be imitators of Christ. And the best way to do that is to study Christ, how he acts, and then imitate him. 
Disciples put godly character above everything else. And discipleship is more important than healing or any spiritual gift because anything else is temporary. But discipleship and your salvation are eternal. And the point you have reached heaven, when you die or when the rapture occurs, at that level, you'll be rewarded for how far you have come since the new birth. There is rewards in heaven called the judgment seat of Christ. This is found really tremendously in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and a chapter dedicated to what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ. For the deeds we've done on earth, for the way we've spread the gospel, for the way that we've made disciples out of people, for the concern, the love we've had for people, the giving to the gospel, all that is going to be rewarded in heaven, but again becomes a monopoly for disciples, not just for converts. I don't think there's any reward in heaven for accepting Jesus as Savior because salvation is not a reward. It's a gift. And so the gift gets you into heaven. When you receive Jesus Christ, God slaps a one-way ticket into your hand and says, you're going to heaven. But when I get there, I want to do more than just be there. When I was growing up, there was a lady that used to stand up and give a testimony every Wednesday. My dad would open it up on Wednesday nights and say, does anybody here have a, you know, a testimony to give? And she would just give a story about something that happened that week. And then end it every week was, would just pray for me, I can just make it into heaven. Well, if you're born again, you're not just going to make it into heaven, you're going to be there. It's not something we have to pray for that you'll just make it into heaven. Because again, going to heaven is not a reward. So many people think it is. You know, well, I, I know I wasn't, you know, I wasn't saved by my works, but you know what? To get into heaven, I'm not really sure if I need to continue in works to be sure that I stay a Christian. A Christian is not something you stay and grow. No, a Christian is something you become. A disciple is where you grow. It's just like being born in this earth. You know, you exist the moment you're, that you're born in this earth. But you know what? Growing up is the key into a good kid and then into a good teenager, then into a good adult. And the same thing is true in the Christian life. And there's rewards in heaven for how you grew in the things of God and especially your love for people, giving into their life and, and witnessing to people. There's a, there's a soul winner's crown in heaven. That's a reward. Notice again, them getting saved is a gift, but you giving the plan of salvation to them is something that you're going to be rewarded for in heaven, something that you did because you love the Lord. It is part of discipleship. Again, I've heard it put this way, that converts get to go to heaven, but disciples take many with them. And this is God's plan for you. Discipleship is more important than healing or any spiritual gift. And Jesus must be more important than the possessions of life. And Jesus must be more important than family. Jesus must be more important than even life itself. Think of what happened here in this particular story. Jesus has been healing individuals one after another, and suddenly there's this, there's this kind of stopping point. And Jesus said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. And what he planned on was for others to get into boats and go with him. But all of a sudden, this, you know, excuses begin to come up. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Or some just peeled off and left. And what it kind of shows is once they got their healing, and, you know, and everything seemed to be right. They wanted to go back to their life as normal. In other words, I want to, you know, see me with my family and maybe go on a vacation, all this. None of them stopped to think about the fact that, the, I, you know, if I've been set free by Jesus, I want to serve him now. I don't just want to be saved. I want to have rewards. 
because I have fallen so much in love with Jesus for the fact he has saved me. And also on top of that, he has uh, healed me. And that's what's happened here with so many people. And even the multitudes that fall in begin to peel off. And by this time, now the multitudes are starting to thin out. They're starting to disperse and they go their different ways. And Jesus now turns around, finds the ones that are still following him and challenges them that the most important thing was not their healing. Their healing was to get them back on their feet so they can serve God. Their healing was to give them sight for the blindness they had so they can now see to go tell people about Jesus. The crippled people were now healed so they can now walk and go tell other people about Jesus Christ. God intends that your healing be used as part of your testimony to get other people saved. And if you lay hands on them and they get healed and then they get saved out of that, the most important thing after that is not to go back to life, taking your vacations, making more money, living like anybody else does. That is not the purpose of your salvation. The purpose of your salvation and especially your growth is to be an imitator of Jesus Christ, become a disciple of his, and even raise up more people that are saved and more people that are following after the Lord. This is the whole point of it is Jesus Christ is looking for followers. Jesus Christ is looking for disciples. And Jesus said in John chapter eight, when the multitudes heard what was being preached and many accepted him as Lord and Savior, Jesus perceived in his heart that many had received him. And Jesus said to those Jews who had just received him, now, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciple indeed, and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's possible to be free as a Christian before God, but not walk in freedom here in this earth. It's disciples that not only have a freedom toward God, but a freedom toward life and a freedom to walk with Jesus Christ from that point on. We'll see you right after the break and talk about followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Miracles in Matthew is a systematic studying of the healing miracles of Jesus, which are presented to us in the book of Matthew. This series emphasizes the fact that Jesus healed believer and unbeliever, Jew and Gentile, male and female, old and young, rich and poor. He made no distinctions. Healing was and is for all. The sermon titles in this 10-message set are Jesus Healing Ministry, Jesus' First Healing, The God of the Impossible, Healing of the Centurion Servant, Peter's Mother-in-Law, Think on These Things, After the Healing, You Are Forgiven, The Healing of the Two Women, and Avoiding Unbelief. To order Miracles in Matthew, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. How much faith do I need to be healed? In The Grace of Healing, Bob Yandian answers this question and reveals the missing ingredient to the healing you've been praying for, grace. Throughout church history, the doctrines of grace and faith have been taken to separate extremes as they relate to healing. The result is that many believers struggle to receive healing from God. Those on the side of grace deny the need for faith, believing that God only heals a select few. For those who only see a need for faith, the pursuit of healing becomes a legalistic struggle to change God's mind. Pastor Bob takes a different approach with practical biblical teaching that balances both elements of grace and faith. You'll find the healing you've been waiting for when you find the missing ingredient of grace. To order The Grace of Healing, visit bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, 
this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Let's quickly review a few things that we discussed in the first part of this broadcast, and let's talk again about discipleship. This is the goal of the Christian life, is not to become a convert, but to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, one who imitates Jesus in your own personal life. What the world needs to see is not just one Jesus who sat in heaven. They need to see thousands and millions of Jesuses everywhere. I like to think of it this way. When Jesus ascended into heaven on the day of Pentecost, just the next day or two after he went into heaven, then what happened was on that day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, 120 Jesuses came walking down from the upper room and hell must have gone crazy. They just got rid of one and probably had a party in hell that Jesus was off the earth back in heaven and they could be free from him and all the havoc he had caused during the 33 years he was here. But then some demon must have come running into the party saying, sir, sir, 120 Jesuses just walked out of the upper room. Are you kidding? And by the end of the day, there were 3,120 Jesuses. A few days later, whenever the man was healed at the gate, beautiful, 5,000 more were added to it. And there was 8,120 Jesuses besides how many got saved. And now we're walking with the Lord in the days between. So what we have here is there was this constant growing. And by the time you come to chapter six of the book of Acts, they were multiplying daily. I mean, in the streets, in the churches, people were leading people to Jesus everywhere. And that's what God wants. When one Jesus was removed off the earth, now he has so many who are following in his footsteps, not only just to be born of Jesus, Jesus, but to be discipled by him and by his word. Discipleship or spiritual maturity is the goal of the Christian life to where Jesus Christ becomes more important to you than anything else. I'm not saying your mother's not important, your father's not important, that your sisters and brothers and all this are not important. But what I'm saying is the word needs to be the most important thing sitting on that highest shelf that you have. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. Disciples are the best imitators of Jesus, but disciples also put godly character above everything else. Whenever faced with a situation, they will not back down to the world. They will not back down to the flesh. And they will not back down to the devil, even if you met them face to face as Jesus did and constantly threw the word back in the devil's face. Discipleship is more important than healing any spiritual gift you can have, any miracle that's happened in your life, Jesus must be more important than that spiritual gift because he's the giver of the gift. And the purpose of the spiritual gift is to win people to Jesus Christ. Jesus led more individuals to himself and re they received salvation through a word of knowledge. Jesus told Nathaniel, I saw you sitting under a tree. And Nathaniel said, you must be the son of God. He told the woman at the well, uh, he said that, you know, you've been married five times. The one you're living with now is not your husband. And she said, oh, you must be a prophet. And she received him, ran into town and brought all the men back from the town and, you know, introduced them to Jesus. And there was a revival that started there in that city. Great things happened there. So again, it comes back to it. Jesus Christ must be the most important thing in your life, 
more, more important than any possession, more important than any family member, more important than your health. You know, everything must come back to Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. And honestly, when you accepted him as your savior, you also accepted him as your Lord. And many people say, well, I was saved. I accepted Jesus. So, well, that was his savior part. What about the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life that he is the most important thing that you have? Jesus must be more important than life itself. Let's talk about the followers of Jesus. What brought us to this occasion where Jesus got in his ship, was gonna go to the other side, and now the multitudes are thinning out around him. And most of those parts of the multitude had been healed by him because the Bible says he healed everybody that came to him. So the multitudes were were healed, but we find after getting healing, they just simply said, thank you. That's all we need. We want to go back. We want to, you know, we want to buy something. We want to go back to my job. I want to, I want to be able to sleep in comfort, all these things. And we think about me, a miracle, a healing or anything else should cause us to think about others. If he did this for me and gave me this authority and gave me this power, I want to go do what he did. And I want to spend the rest of my life getting as many people into heaven as possible and then becoming disciples so they can have as many rewards in heaven once they go there. Let me just kind of recap this particular chapter here, chapter eight. In verse one, the multitudes followed Jesus. In verse 16 and 17, the multitude were healed. In verse 18, the multitudes are now thinning out and dispersing. And Jesus sends the last of the multitudes away in Mark chapter 4 and verse 36. Why did he do that? He simply said to them, go on. And you know, what he would have been happy about is someone said, no, sir, we're not going anywhere. Only you have the words of life and only you have the words that we can grow with. And sir, you can tell me to go away, but I ain't going away. And that's what Jesus would look at and say, I like you. That's what you're here for. Jesus sends the last of the multitudes away in Mark chapter four and verse 36, which is the same thing attached here. Mark four tells the same story here as, as Matthew eight. And then Jesus heads toward his ship with his disciples. So what Jesus is down to now, he's back to his disciples, the 12 disciples. They're all in a ship going to the other side. And Jesus said to them, it's not recorded here, but Jesus said, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, let's go halfway and sink. He said, let's go to the other side. The word was given and Jesus went to sleep in the ship. In verses 19 through 22, we have when we got to the other side, a scribe came to him and talked to him. And then someone who talked about discipleship and Jesus just simply laid it out what discipleship really meant. Both were probably part of the multitude who was just healed. And what he's simply saying is now Jesus must be more important than possessions and Jesus must be more important than family. In Luke chapter 14, we look at this same passage of scripture and in verse 25 through 27, it says this, great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, hate his mother, hate his wife, his children, his brothers, and his sisters, yes, and his own life also. Notice this, he cannot be my disciple. And who does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Man, this is a tremendous section of scripture. And what he said to them, if anyone comes to me, and then he gets saved. He's talking about the fact these are not just sinners that came to him and heard the gospel and said, ah, we don't want him. These are people who actually came and received him as Lord and Savior, probably got to know him as Lord 
Lord and Savior through a miracle that he did for them. He healed them. And they basically said, well, if he can heal me, he can save me. And they accept him as Lord and Savior. But everything about the healing and everything about accepting Jesus as their Savior was me, 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 not him. And whenever they finally got now healed and they received him as Savior, they begin to look for ways to go back home. Well, it's like people coming to church. How often have I had people come to church? They come and get saved. They have a miracle in their life. Their family that was falling apart, even time they were down to divorce, and yet now the divorce is over, and they're going to live and they're going to stay together. I mean, wonderful things have happened. Bankruptcy. I've had people come to church that were going through bankruptcy, gave their life to Jesus Christ, became a disciple of His and he began to multiply in their life, their finances, and they got to this point, and after a while, you don't see him as often, then after a while after that, you don't see him at all. Finally run into him in a mall somewhere, finally run into him in a store somewhere, and say, haven't seen you for a long time. They start out with, well, and what they simply say is, you know, that life is just busy. My wife and I are busy, kids are busy. Yeah, too busy for the Jesus that saved you, turned your life around, and now asks you to go deeper with him, and become a disciple that spreads the gospel, become a disciple that puts him first above everything else. If he did all this for you, I'm here to tell you, this is not a burdensome request by making him Lord of everything in your life. It is one quality decision that's going to turn your life around and make you the happiest person on earth because you cannot follow Jesus Christ without becoming filled with joy, happiness, purpose, and fulfillment in life. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his wife, his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What's he saying here? He doesn't mean to actually hate your father, hate your mother, hate your wife or children, because that is anathema in the word of God to even hate anybody. What he's saying is, if you don't put me above your mother and father, if it comes to a choice between your mother or father and following me, follow me. This is what God told Abraham. Leave your father, your mother, your, your brothers and sisters, and go to a land that I'm going to show you. In other words, it was turning your life on everything that up until this time has meant something to you. And the Lord is simply saying, I want to be everything to you. And when Jesus one time, somebody was talking about their mother and father, he said, look out there. He said, I want to show you my mothers and my fathers. I've got many fathers, many mothers, many brothers and sisters out there. And he was referring to those that were disciples following after him. And Jesus says again, if you can't forsake all these, you cannot be my disciple. And then he went on to say, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That is a very difficult verse for many people to understand, but you must look at it this way. It doesn't say he he that bears my cross. Jesus didn't say that. He says, whoever bears his cross. Because people have often said, well, I've already been to the cross with Jesus and my sins were on and all that. Yes, your sins were on his cross. Your sins are not on your cross. Well, when I come to Jesus, I gave my life to him. He became my Lord and Savior and all that. Well, that's fine. That was on his cross. Your sickness was on his cross. I mean, I've had people tell me when they read this verse of scripture, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And they've actually said, see, see, my sickness is my cross to bear. No, that was on his cross. He bore your sickness. He bore your sins. What's on your cross is simply your choice to follow after him. What's on your cross is your flesh. And the cross, your cross, is for flesh to die on. It has nothing to do with sickness. Jesus died for your sickness. It has nothing to do with your sins. Jesus died for your sins. And you go to him to get your sins forgiven and become a Christian. But you also go to him for your individual daily sins. And the blood of Jesus 
Jesus will cleanse you from all unrighteousness when you as a Christian confess it. But now he's talking about discipleship and simply comes back to this. Your cross is something you are free to pick up, free to lay down, or free not to pick up at all. It is your choice. It's still the fact that you're a Christian, but your cross comes back to this. Your cross is your responsibility to become a disciple and follow after Jesus Christ himself. And you take that and put it above everything else. You say, you mean I've got to get crucified? Well, basically, yes. When it comes to the crossing between your will and God's will, and your will wants to go, man, I want to do the things I normally do. I want to go the places I normally do. And God said, put me first today. Come on, do it. And when you do that, it's like taking yourself and nailing yourself to the cross, and that's your flesh. Your cross is not your sickness, not your sin. Your cross is for flesh to die on. And listen, what always comes after crucifixion? Resurrection. I mean, I've had people tell me, Pastor, I didn't want to come to church in a midweek service. My family was tired and I was tired, but we decided to come. And man, when we came to church, everything around us changed. We walked out of that church ready to go out with other people. Matthew 8, 23 says this, followers of Jesus face tribulation and Jesus must be important in life itself. Life itself is fun, especially as a Christian, that Jesus Christ is the most important thing in your life. He is Lord of all. See you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.